Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We try so hard to change. We try so hard to, to believe, and we try so hard to connect with what God has for us, and we're very sincere, and we want the best of what God wants for us, right? But the secret is in what just happened, and that is behold, beholding Him. You know, can you see Him? I, I don't mean having some kind of vision or, you know, I, I just mean can you recognize and honor who and what Jesus is and what He has accomplished? How... how how much of him do you see? You know, what of him do you see? Can you behold him? Because what you can see of him is the image that you are changed into. As you behold him, you become like him. You know, even in the midst of your situation, whatever it is you're dealing with, can you see the facet of him already victorious in that area because you are in him? Amen? You're struggling with stuff. You want to see some changes? We all do. See him in that area and the victory that he's already gained and worship him. Amen. Give him honor for that. It, there's just that spiritual dynamic that it, you will begin to be in tune with that truth as well. It's like as you can see it, it resonates within you as well. You know, there, there's, an, there's just an element of beholding him in the victory that you need. Amen? Amen. That's how transformation happens. You can't try. You can't make it happen. You can't ask God independent from your involvement of faith toward Him. That was like a long sentence there. Let me break that one down for you. But, <laughs> but you can't make it happen. But it's a paradox, Is but we, we have to be engaged with Him to experience it, right? He's already finished the work. You have Christ in you, you're done, complete, perfect, made holy, righteous, accepted. Walk right into the throne room of heaven and says, this is where you belong. And what's left is only for you to transform outwardly so that you match what you already are inwardly. That's the process that we're in, transformation. But you don't become more holy. You don't become more righteous. It just leaks out more. And it happens as you behold him. You look at him and you say, wow, he is victorious in this area. And then it just, you, the next thing you know, you, you look back, you know, a few months down the road, you look back and you notice transformation. You notice, like, you know what? I don't worry about that anymore, man. I used to worry about that all the time. Where did it go? Well, your heart changed. You didn't even know it because you didn't try to make it happen. And you weren't begging God to show up and change you. You just let it happen as you beheld him. That's the way it happens. And here's the problem for a preacher. No one can teach you how to do that. Nobody can teach you how to do that. You can hear messages for years and never experience it. Waiting, looking for the... That's, what, that's the strength of religion. Is you knowing the truth but not seeing it in your life. And, and then you get put on this path to try to get it from him or make it happen or... All kind of weird stuff you're told. 
Just behold him. Behold him. Because we all need to make some changes, right? Like in our outward lives, don't you? I do. Just spend some couple days with me around Christmas time in our house. And got some stuff I need to get over. So we need to change, but here's what we do is we step back and we say, God, I want you to do this. I need this to happen in my life. I see it in your word. I see that you've promised it. It's been prophesied to me for the same thing 12 years in a row now. Something, Lord, please show up, do it. You ever prayed that way? You're like, you're detached and God needs to show up and give you this thing. And then you realize you start learning kind of this heart approach to living with God. And it's like, okay, well, God, change me. Like you're still detached from the process. It's like, okay, God, just change me. Just change me. You ever prayed that? How's that working for you? But it's a paradox. You are perfect and complete in him spiritually. But has it resonated to your soul and your mind and your actions yet. In a lot of areas, it's, it's no. So that's where transformation needs to take place. But here's the thing. You have to be willing to own the fact that you need to change. Not change to make God happy. Not change to try to qualify for some kind of blessing. Not change to any of that junk that religion has put you on the track of. But change because you want to stop limiting God and what he wants to do through you. And that means you've got to be willing to admit to yourself, I need to change. There's some things about me that need to change. And, you know, some grace people are like, don't be putting me back into works. I don't No. You definitely need to change. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. We're not talking about, you know, striving or, or, or getting back in our own works or efforts. What we're talking about is in our hearts are we yielded fully so that his influence within our hearts and our souls has full fruition. It's not limited in any way. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about you having to do something differently. We're talking about you letting God work through you fully. How many of you are doing that? Put your hand down. I'm teasing you, but I didn't see your hand. She's like, go ahead, put your hand down. None of us are letting God fully work through us. But we want to. We want to. And those are the areas that we need to change. And those are the areas. See, change is interesting because you don't necessarily, you're, as far as what you are is settled, you're not trying to become something else because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you're not yielding to him fully, right? Those are the areas that we need to let him, let his influence touch our hearts more. You don't need to get more of him you just need to yield to him fully. Do you see the difference? 
And as you yield to him, you have to be willing to take that step toward him or toward people or toward your goals or toward your call or whatever it is. Because this is what we do. We want him to show up and do some big thing so that the path is clear. Rather than we pray and we ask him for help. Well, here's, here's, here's how transformation happens. You ask God for some help. What you're doing is you're, you're taking ownership over the capacity of your heart and you're willing to expand the capacity of your heart to let him work through you a little bit more. But what you have to do is take a step into that as the expansion happens. Now, what that looks like is, God, change me. I don't want to be angry anymore. I want to be this way. So the next time you have an opportunity to be angry and you ask for help and that grace rises up to make a different choice, you have to step into it. Don't just wait for God to boom. You don't have that issue anymore because your heart determines how far you're going to go with it, not him. Your spirit's perfect. The way you think needs to change. That's our responsibility. It's the step into the grace each time, each little step, each little step. It's with attitudes. It's with expectations of what we believe he can do. It's with, our, it's with everything. It's with your relationships. You know, you're asking for a change. God, change me. God, do something, okay? Here's some grace. Now, what step are you going to take? Not that he needs you to do something, but you limit it if you don't let it work in your life. Take those little steps. And I'm talking practical life, real world stuff here, where you, you know there's those areas that you need to change. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. God is not judging you based on that kind of stuff. It's already dealt with in Jesus. But he wants you to experience righteousness, peace, and joy. And your joy is being robbed. Righteousness is not coming to full fruition in some of, our, some of the areas of our lives. And peace. So what's the little steps, you know? The next time you pray and you ask God for help, look for the grace. Grace will be that influence on your heart that inspires you to take a step. Because you already are, he will empower you to move and reflect it outwardly. Does that make sense? That's message number one. Because we're, we're, we're in this series that I'm calling, Why Am I Here? So we're trying to answer the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do, right? Last week, last couple of weeks, really, we, we've, we've looked at that. Your purpose, the purpose of anything, any object, is determined by its creator, right? So your purpose is determined by God. Why did God create mankind? Why did he create you? We looked at that. The bottom line answer is for his good pleasure. What brings God pleasure? To give you the kingdom. There's a few times where God's pleasure is mentioned. He created you for his good pleasure, and it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God created you to give you his kingdom to give you righteousness in Jesus, to give you peace, and to give you joy. That's why you're breathing air in this moment right now is to be a child of God and experience the good things that he has for you. That's it. 
If you wake up and you acknowledge God and you have embraced salvation available through Jesus, your purpose is fulfilled. I mean, you guys that are parents, why'd you have kids? You wanted a family. Same with God. The end. Amen? So then you talk about, okay, well, but I've got some desires, I've got dreams, I've got goals, I want to move forward, I want to see something, I want to accomplish, I feel like I'm called. So today I want to kind of talk about the, the idea of calling. What is our calling? What is it that God would have us do? Now, this Wednesday at 7, we're, we're, getting, we're starting a class that will go for a few weeks called uh, Moving Forward. And what I, where I'm going to end today is where we'll pick up Wednesday and won't be, there will be a little bit of teaching. There's going to be some overlap over the next few weeks of what we're going to do on Wednesdays. But Wednesdays is going to be very practical, very hands-on. And at the end of it, you will have a plan to walk out your call. Not something we're going to fabricate, but something we're going to respond to. Sound good? So what is a call? What is a calling? I've got, I don't know, how long y'all want to stay today? i got about 20 minutes. Huh? I got about 20 minutes to cover a complex, it's really not that difficult to understand when you understand that there actually is a new covenant and that God loves people. But, but it's the stuff that we've been taught about it. So this idea of calling and election and predetermination and all of that stuff, I'm going to cover it in 20 minutes. You ready? Here we go. And then end with what's my calling. So in general... Let me start. I've got a bunch of scripture here, so put your thinking cap on for just a few more minutes, and we'll move through this. I, I'm telling you if, you, if if you don't get anything out of where I'm about to go, leave here today making the decision. I know I'm complete in Christ spiritually. I want that completeness to fully manifest in my life, and I'm going to take responsibility and be willing to change to be willing to make room in my heart for him to give me the grace to change in these areas. Amen? <clears throat> but we also want to know, God, is there, are there things you want me to do? Is there a specific thing that you want me to do? Am I called? Is there, do I have a calling on my life? So first off, the word calling is the word klesis in Greek. And the definition is a divine invitation to embrace salvation. So when it talks about the high calling in Christ Jesus, it's to embrace salvation. The very first calling on your life is to say yes to God and what he is extending to you in Jesus. If you never figure out anything else that God would call you to do, because there is, we're going to go into it, there is an element that God will have assignments for you. But the, but the biggest aspect of you fulfilling your calling is to embrace salvation. What we're going to see is as you embrace salvation, there is a natural outward expression back into the world. And God, as you naturally express the salvation that you've experienced from God, that will determine where God and how God leads you and will have very specific things for you to do. But it's not like you got to wake up and say, God, what, why am I on this planet? What's the bullseye? I need to hit the bullseye or the reason that you created me never comes to pass. And then you get into the things like this. 
You see, back in 17 so-and-so, there was this prophet, and he was preaching, and he didn't fulfill his call because he did this, and his mantle was left laying on the ground over there. So I had to go pick up his mantle, and I'm wearing his mantle now. Now I'm going to fulfill the anointing on this person's life. And I didn't fulfill mine, so maybe, you know what? Maybe I need about 12 more mantles and anointings, and let me gather myself all this. I mean, come on, let's get real. Really? Y'all are looking at me like, what just happened? <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes. Didn't we believe some goofy things? Uh -huh. Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. Let me just say, you don't need somebody else's anointing. You don't need somebody else's mantle. You have the one anointing, and that is Christ in you, and it abides. Amen. And it doesn't go anywhere, and it doesn't lift and it's not present within you based on your performance. It's present within you because God loves you and you've said yes to Jesus. You are fully anointed on this planet, which is sealed with God's acceptance. Amen? All right, so Ephesians 1, 17, we're going to go through 20. <clears throat> I've got a lot of scriptures, but we'll bring it down to where you can actually do something with this. Let the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Now, just so you know, God doesn't have some spirit up there called wisdom and then another one called revelation that He's going to send on assignment to you. It's just a, the spirit is the essence of, in the way of. So He wants you to live a lifestyle of being open to revelation and wisdom from Him. It's His spirit. So that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, next verse, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us according to the working of His mighty power. I think there's one more. Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Go back to, I think it's the 18. The point is, it's all about Jesus. When he talks about, I hope that you understand the calling, in fact, the only time in the Word of God where the language is used to present the idea that you need to understand your calling or you need to figure out or try to, try to, try to uh, uh, you know, know what a calling or your calling is, the only time that language is used, it's here in verse 18, and it's talking about that you would understand his calling. Not your calling, his calling. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is his calling? To come here and die for you. To take upon himself your sin nature. To take upon himself your disease, your sickness, your lack. The, the penalty against the, the law being broken to pass into the grave and conquer death and hell and the enemy and rise again and offer his own blood and turn to you and say, if you can come and spend forever with us, come through my blood. That's his calling, and he fulfilled it completely and perfectly. Amen? Amen. Now, your responsibility is to embrace that and understand his calling. You're not going to understand your calling until you understand his calling and your part in it. Because from there, it's just a natural expression of you embracing that salvation. Does that make sense? Yes. 
We're going to keep going here. The high calling of your life, you can go ahead and pull up 2 Thessalonians 1.10. You can put it up. The high calling on your life is to say yes to Jesus. The way you respond to the high calling in Christ is to embrace salvation that he's provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. So 2 Thessalonians verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 10. Got a lot of scripture today. We'll, we'll put them all out in the email and post up a blog. But <clears throat> when he shall come, how far am I going? Let's see here. Where are we? Go through verse 12. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Okay, so th this is the context of what we're talking about. When he comes to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. What calling? Specifically, the verse right before this, that Jesus would be glorified in you. That's the calling that you want to be counted worthy of, is that Jesus would be glorified in you. The way you qualify for that is you believe. You say yes. You exercise faith in what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. So if you've said yes to Jesus, you qualify for the calling of God on your life. You are worthy of it already. The reason I'm saying these kinds of things is because there is a performance mentality on these ideas of you having to externally perform the fulfillment of your calling. And that's just not even the case. It's internal in your heart. It's a salvation thing. Now, we're going to get to where there are external aspects as well. Next verse. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as you embrace the overall calling, the high calling in Christ Jesus, you embrace salvation. As you embrace that salvation, because of the way that your heart is wired and the way that you love the world and the way that you love people around you, there, will things that, there are things that naturally will rise up out of you that God can also use to call you into. Meaning, when you hear Peter and you hear Paul and you talk about these early, hear the early apostles, when they talk about the calling or the assignment or the leading of the Lord or any of that type of stuff, it's a, it's, they're always talking about we have embraced this salvation and now God has called us to go to here and preach the gospel here. God has then called us to go here and preach the, you know, Paul, even Jesus is like, no, nope, you know what, I need to go over here. Uh, my, you know, my must-needs go to Capernaum, and he goes up there and, you know, ministers to... There are very specific things that God will call you to do as you have embraced your salvation, which is the high calling. So fulfilling your call is really not about figuring out the answer to the question, God, what am I supposed to do? It's how do I express salvation? That's how you answer, how do I fulfill my call? And I'll get down to where we get really practical. Like I said, I'm going to squish a lot of information in here, and then we'll get to where you, that you can do something with it. So the practical aspects are, they look like this. In 2 Timothy 1, are, are the specific aspects. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, are you there? 9 through 11. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
Interesting, right? Because we have the idea in our mind that our calling is all about our works. Is what you're supposed to do. You're not called according to your works. A lot of us have been taught, here's how you know what your calling is. Here's how you know what your purpose is. What do you do really well? That's then what you're supposed to do for God for the rest of your life. You know, it's like it's all this external performance stuff that we've been, we've, that's been put on us to try to make these truths applicable. But it's not according to your works. You're not called according to what you do really well. Now, if you can use those talents and abilities and strengths as you fulfill and walk out your call, which is expressing your salvation, bonus. <laughs> All right, so you're called, but not according to your works, but according to His own purpose and grace. Grace is an inner influence. It is directly from the throne of God to your heart to give you a capacity that is not your own. It's how you get saved. It's how you become righteous. You exercise faith in that, and then grace changes you. It transforms you. It makes you something that you were not. You can't do that, but grace can. Amen? Which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. I mean, you can just stop and think about that for a while. Who's abolished death? And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So you see, it's like in the midst of him talking about this amazing thing that God does by grace through you in Christ. Oh, and oh, by the way, I'm appointed to preach. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like an adjunct. It's added to the end. An addendum. Yeah, thank you. Smart people help me out. I just make up words sometimes. Just go with it. You know, we're so focused. What am I supposed to do? No. How can you express your salvation? That might mean that you step into teaching. That might mean that God says, I need you to function as an apostle in this office for a little while. That might mean that God calls you to start a church. I, I have absolutely zero doubt that God called Sarah and I to start Forward Church. I know I am doing exactly what God would say, this is what I would like for you to do. I have, I have no doubt. But if we shut the doors tomorrow, I, I, I'd feel like, fine, I'll just express my salvation some way else. I, I, you know, we'll just do something else. Because it's not about fulfilling the call defines who and what I am, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I got it all worked out, but that's, it can look like that. <clears throat> so let's keep going here. This next uh, scripture I want to look at, th this, is, this is where it can get complicated because you, talk, you start talking about calling and election. Those two words are typically used in Reformed theology, which is a more Calvinistic perspective, which basically just means ahead of time, before he created anything... God predetermined how everything was going to happen, how everything was going to play itself out. And so now everything that's happening is what he already determined to happen. And you're just walking it out. And somehow they, they make room for uh, free will in the midst of it, but I don't really get that. So I'm not trying to make fun of it or anything. I'm just saying this is a, this is a teaching 
that has confused people, I think. And let's just read it. 2 Peter 1.10. Wherefore the rather... Okay, I'm, I'm King James, so here we go. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure... For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now, there's a couple things going on here. It almost sounds like he's talking about if you don't do these things, then you lose your salvation. How many, have you ever been taught that? If you don't do this stuff, you're going to lose your salvation. He's not even talking about salvation. He's talking about if you read all the scriptures right before he says this statement, he's talking about all of these fruits that you should express now that you're a believer. And the after this, he says, if you don't do these things, you're going to hell. No, I'm kidding. That's not what he says. <laughs> he says, if you don't do these things, what it means is that you have forgotten that you were forgiven. It's not a warning that you can lose your salvation if you don't do right. He's given you a clue that if you don't see fruit in your life that righteousness should produce, it might mean that you, are, you have not connected with forgiveness in your heart from God in some, in some areas. It might mean that you don't realize just how free you are. You think you're still carrying around some guilt and condemnation, so you're not expressing these godly qualities. I love that. If you're not behaving godly, it's because you have forgotten that you were forgiven. It's powerful. But this idea of making your calling and election sure, the word sure means mature or stable. So the way you make your calling and your election stable is you yield to grace to display uh, godly behavior. But that doesn't mean it's, you qualify for it. Now let me say this. This is the last kind of complicated thing, and then we'll get to some practical application. This idea of calling and election. In the Reformed way of thinking, it sounds like this, that only a certain amount of people are extended the opportunity for salvation, and then an even smaller gap of those actually can receive salvation. So it's like God created people only, think, only knowing that some of them could be saved. That's the idea of election from a Reformed way of thinking. But when you look at the two areas where it mostly talks about it, where Jesus says many are called, few are chosen, and then Paul talks about the idea of election and calling, they're talking about Jews not receiving the message of the gospel through, as revealed through Christ, and can Gentiles be saved now? Because the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come through their bloodline. It was all prophesied that way, that when he came, he would deliver them and restore them and restore their authority and kingdom and set up his kingdom through them. And it didn't happen the way they thought it was happening because he was, it was more spiritual. So they had to have all this teaching that, look, no, these Gentiles can receive the kingdom as well. These Gentiles, they had to have a meeting about that. Peter was like, I'm not sure about these Gentiles. They had a meeting. Can Gentiles be saved? That'd be like us having a meeting. Can black people come into this church? I mean, that, that would be the equivalent of it. Weird, right? They can, by the way, if anybody's wondering. I know there's not even... <laughs> we live in Whiteyville in Sharpsburg. 
<clears throat> so the expression of my calling, and again, this whole next few weeks is going to be geared toward you answering the question, what would God have me do? Knowing my identity, knowing that my purpose is not fulfilled in what I do, but I want to live out these desires in my heart. I want to make a difference on this planet. I want to live with purpose. I want to touch people's lives, you know. I want to, I want to spread the gospel. Answering how you do that is what we're going to look at. But in Ephesians 2.8, this is the path to that. Ephesians 2.8, by grace you're saved. Saved is healed, made whole, delivered, restored, rescued, kept safe. A different version of it is salvation, soteria, includes prospered. I've just had people argue with the idea that sozo doesn't mean prospered, but salvation has that definition in it. I know you were worried about that, but... <clears throat> You're saved, or you, you, you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Next. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know that. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Not that you should do them, not that you should get a cookie if you figure out what they are, but that you should walk in them. This phrase, walk in them, is very interesting. This word walk means to make due use of opportunities. So we're talking about there's a call of God on your life. It's mostly fulfilled as you say yes to Jesus and embrace salvation. There is an outward expression of you embracing your salvation. It's good works laced, but you are to walk in them. In other words, as you live your life, as you have your relationship with God, as you express your salvation, you walk into the opportunities that God wanted you to have before he ever even created you. Those opportunities can be for you and for other people, for you to express good works toward people. We've made it about information. What am I supposed to do? Give me a homework assignment. Give me a task and let me go out there and complete this thing. When really walking in your call is I'm just naturally walking and expressing and, and, and enjoying my salvation in Christ. And daily as I'm doing that, God may have very specific things for me to do, to walk into, so to speak. You've got Peter and Paul and these guys, and they'd say, as I was going, then God called me to do this. As I was going to here, and God called me to preach to this, this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. You know. So there is an element of this is where I'm going with my life, but really daily you respond to the call of God on your life. By first embracing salvation... And then looking outwardly and thinking, how can I express this salvation that I am currently experiencing? Does that make sense to you? So I think there's an even more, you can pull that down. I think there's an even more, uh, a simpler question. It's all wrapped up in this. I've got two more and then I've got the question. This is Ephesians 4, 32. It's funny because they broke up these chapters 
And really, this is a continued thought from 4, Ephesians 4, 32 into Ephesians 5. Watch where he goes. I mean, this is essentially what it should look like, the context of as we go, the context of walking into those good works that God has desired for you from before the foundation of the world. This is kind of the mindset that we can put ourselves in to walk through life in to then create the opportunities of the good works. Does that make sense? You know, in business, there was an old phrase, activity breeds opportunity, right? So it is with the kingdom, I think. Not activity to make things happen, but because you're enjoying your salvation with God, you're going to find yourself in some situations where God will need you to be that light. This is the posture that we take. Verse 32, Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another. I mean, we just stop there, right? So we just, can we do that? Can we just do that? Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be, the, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Next verse. And walk in love. You want to know how to fulfill your call? God, what do you want me to do? God, what am I supposed to do? Ask the question. Today, as I am embracing my salvation, who can I walk in love toward? Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. How many verses did I have there? And then verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becomes saints. There is an element, turn away from sin. There is this element, walk in love. Have kindness toward one another. As you embrace your salvation, who can you love? So that's the question that I have. You know, we don't have, when we, when we do this on Wednesday night, and we start helping you determine, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I, where am I going? What's the call on my life? Some of you may know that. Some of you are walking in it. Not to put a yoke of bondage or performance back on you, but because I know you want to make an impact on this planet with the gospel. You can ask the question, who do I love? You know, it all boils down to all the stuff that we talked about. If you want to understand, if you want clear direction on what God would have you do, ask yourself, who do I love? You know, is it your children? Is it girls who have been sold into sex slavery that have rescued and they're in the girls' home down the street and you can go minister to them? Is it girls that have experienced substance abuse issues and they have a home right down the street this way? Is it substance abusers that are in a home somewhere? Is it, is it people in Africa with no water? I mean, who does your heart, who, who do you bleed for? You know, who, who do you think of when you think of, man, who, who breaks your heart? That's who you're called to. That's your calling. Take them love. Take them the love of God. Help set them free with the gospel. And then the other question would be, do they know that I love them? So once you determine, this is who I love. And, and, it, and it's, this is a simplification, but what we're going to do in this class, and it'll overlap in, on Sunday mornings here too, we'll put a plan in action. Because nothing gets done without a plan. You think you can just wake up and wander around and, oh, God, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 
it, sometimes stuff happens, but you, you work in a plan is how you see goals for fit, fulfilled, even goals of walking out your ministry. Walk a plan, make a plan, work a plan. As you are working the plan, you give God freedom to lead you wherever he would want you to go. It's like, you, it's like you're a ship that needs to set sail. As you are sailing, God can blow his wind and turn that ship any direction. In fact, if you've got opposing wind, the way you set your sail will determine where you're going to go. God will always blow wind in your sails to move you, but you've got to leave the dock. You've got to step into that capacity that God creates for you as you ask him, God, I, I want to change in this area. I want, I want something. I'm willing to take ownership that I'm the problem. I'm the one limiting you. I'm the one that doesn't believe. I'm the one that's holding on to this stuff. Help me. And as, you, as the, that grace will rise up, and as it does, you have to step into it. But it's one little step at a time. We want the floodgate to open, and our answers are there magically. It's, it's a process. Not because God is withholding, not because he needs you to perform to give you more, but he has wired it so that we have dominion over this planet and you will experience the degree of the kingdom that your heart will let you experience. That's the mystery that he teaches in Mark 4. That's a whole other teaching, but it's true. God has given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. All his promises are yes and amen. He's not withholding anything, but the capacity of your heart only lets you experience so much of it. You have to be willing to take those little steps. And one of the biggest ways for you to experience transformation is to help somebody else, especially in a spiritual setting where you're ministering to them, giving them the gospel. I think this year is going to be a major year of personal transformation for people in this body. That's my desire. That's my prayer. All the things that God is showing us to do as a staff and as a church, all the courses that we're putting in place and everything, and, the, and the, we want to have small groups and just more interaction and all the things that, we're, that God's leading us to put into place are geared for you to experience transformation. You want it? We're going to take those little steps. Father, we thank you. We thank you that these things are clear. Not what we're supposed to do, but what you have already done, Jesus. And I want to fully embrace that every day, every morning. I want to fully embrace what you have done for me, knowing that you are well pleased with me because I'm in Christ. And from that, I want to express that relationship that we have. I want to express that salvation that I have embraced and touch the world with your love. I'm committed to it. Those areas that I need to change, I will give you those areas of my heart to breathe on, to influence, to mold and shape so that my heart and my soul and my outer man matches my inner man that you've already made perfect. Thank you for your influence. Thank you that you love us. We want to be completely yielded to you.